everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Some of you guys might be traveling this weekend, headed to buses by the bridge. If you're down in Havasu, man, good luck to you. Have a good time and stay safe. I uh, don't know if I'll make it down there this weekend, but who knows? I could surprise everybody and stop in there just for a day or so. Anyway, the podcast goes on. On today's show, we've got... David Ruiz is the gentleman that's put on the Real Street 91 Octane uh, drag racing class that happens three times a year at the two drag days, one in March, one in October, and their middle event at the Bug Inn. These events have been designed for real street cars that have to meet a street car criteria to be able to run on the track and run in this class, and there's a little bit of cash prizes at the end, but it's a good class to get guys motivated to bring their street car out there and run it, enjoy in some of that drag racing that uh, maybe sometimes you've been thinking you'd like to try, but you haven't. So we get a good conversation with David, find out about his history, how he got into Volkswagens, all the different shops he's worked for, and his experience in the VW scene. So uh, it's a good listen. He's got a good story just like everybody else. So take a listen and enjoy. But before we get into that, I wanted to give a shout out to Busboy252. Uh, Busboy252 says he just listened to the episode about Type 4 versus Type 1, and it's great. Uh, I'd seen this podcast on Facebook, and when that that new metal split bus dash made a splash. I put it on my list. Finally, listen to that episode. It was good. Then listen to Bill and George talk engines. And if you have been in the air cooled VWC, and this will make you feel at home. Great podcast. I'm going to make time for it. So we appreciate Bus Boy 252 coming at it. So I want to thank Jack Cartwright for buying some merch, picking up a trucker hat, and that got shipped out in the mail today, along with a sticker set that I had. Also got another email from another listener from Dan Summers. Dan Summers actually had a podcast called Air Cool Nation. He's got a few episodes out on the interwebs that you can find and listen to if you want to check him out. Uh, he tells me a few years ago he was looking to do a podcast and he put about five episodes together and uh, he said he really is enjoying Let's Talk Dubs podcast. That's exactly what he was looking for when he set out to start his podcast. So shout out to Dan Summers for the feedback, man. I appreciate any of the good feedback you guys want to give. Some emails, you can send me emails at Bill at Let's Talk Dubs. Also, don't forget to support the podcast. Go to letstalkdubs.com. Go to the store and pick up some merchandise. It helps to support the podcast. Appreciate you guys. We're about to get into this podcast on real street VWs. So without any further ado, man, David Ruiz, real street. Everybody on today's podcast, I've got uh, a, a fan of the podcast and also a guy that's pretty influential in the street racing scene out there in Southern California. On today's podcast, I've got David Ruiz, also known as Volkstroke on Instagram. Uh, David's been in the VW scene uh, for quite a while. He's been involved in a bunch of different shops down there in Southern California. He's also the the guy who puts on the Real Street 91 Octane uh, racing organization where uh, they actually race real street cars out there. So. On today's podcast, I'd like to welcome David. David, welcome to the show. Hello. How are we doing? As we talk about all the time on the show, I want to get into, we're going to talk about the real street class that you do and the rules and particulars about that, but that all started somewhere. And uh, I know you're pretty heavily involved in street race, or street racing and drag racing with uh, NA Motors and stuff. But uh, what I wanted to get to first was, your VW story and how you got into Volkswagens. Okay. Well, as uh, I grew up in, in Guadalajara, and 
you have a newsstand like in the corner of my house and I would walk down there and the magazines back there back then was uh, Bochomania, which was kind of like funky bugs, man. It was all colorful and like cut up cars and like narrow bugs and just funky bugs, right? Yeah. But as a kid, it it was like the coolest magazine because you had funky cars, you know? So I remember buying a lot of those things. And then in high school, I got into, in middle school, I got into like all kinds of cars. And I was always a magazine guy with my backpack had like, at least a dozen magazines of flowriders, import tuners, just all kinds of stuff. And that's how I made a couple of my friends, you know, handing out magazines, they'll give them back at the end of the day or the next day. And um, later on, when I was in high school, I had a buddy and uh, he was telling us, oh yeah, I'm restoring this bug, blah, blah, blah. And then one day, even though he had been doing it for a long time, I never really paid attention until one day he shows me pictures. And once I see the picture, I'm like, oh, you're really building this car. It was like pan off and everything. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And it was a bug. So it was a Super Beetle, actually. Yeah. And uh, it was blue. And he was coming along and he was, he started putting a headliner. And then we, we started talking about the process of building the car. And, um, we were at a mall one time, all of us, like probably four of us, and we walked into a diecast store. Every time I walked by it, I have to go in. And um, they kind of followed along, and we're looking at the Volkswagen section. There was a there was a square back there, and I had, didn't even I didn't even know they existed. To me, I was like, "What the hell is that?" And they were like, "Oh, this is square back, man." Like my buddy Amilcar which was a really good friend with me even now. And he like, he told me, oh man, they don't just make bugs and buses, man. They make the gear and then they make the square back, notch back, fastener. I was like, whoa. So we're like, dude, wouldn't it be cool if we all get them? And they're like, he was like, I'm down, I want a fastback. So then we go home and we go on Craigslist. And I find one for like 1200 bucks and I only had like, 700 bucks with me. So I told my mom, let me borrow money to go buy it. I didn't tell her what. You know, much store, a car. So she gives me a, a, like 400 bucks. I get my, my dad and his friend. And there we go. It was so freaking far. I don't even remember what city it was. It was in the high desert. And then we show up and it's just dumped. Like this thing is on the ground and uh, it's a square back. So they just, it was a 71 square back, flat black with a flat white roof, green wheels. And it had like the the German Eagles on the side with the Volkswagen logo, like spray painted on. Like it was, it was kind of, it was kind of wacky, right? Right, right. So, and he has like, he had like dry rotted tires and he was just like, I don't recommend you driving it, but it started. So I hear it running. I didn't even test drive it. I was just like, I'll take it. So we put it on. We used up my, <laughs> we used up his, uh, his long trip, which was like a hundred miles, 120 miles, something far. Then we get home and I'm all pissed off because I'm pulling in with a tow truck. The lights are on. It's at night and it's like beep, beep, beep. And this freaking 
rusted ass cars coming off the trailer and my mom's like pissed off. She's like, what the hell are you buy? I thought it was supposed to be like a Honda or something. Oh yeah. It's not right. Yeah. So then I um I start driving and I'm right in front of high school. I'm driving right in front of the high school and I hit the brakes and the car does a one eighty. And I'm looking at the oncoming traffic and they slam on their brakes and they get rear-ended and like a few cars crash, right? And I'm still coasting in reverse. And I look back and this is the perfect thing about square bags, they have zero blind spots. So I look around and I see a driveway and I just pull right in. By then this car has stalled. And I turn it on, smoke came out and I, I remember that it was a guy that had buses and bugs on the north side of the high school. Yeah. So if my first instinct was, I got to go over there, right? So I drive up there, I pull in, and um, his name is Mike, known as the Samba's Dutch boy. He was not a repair shop. He cut up cars and sold pieces. That's his business. He's like sells a Pomona every time. So I pull in. And then I'm like, dude, I got to fix these brakes because, like, I almost killed myself right now. Like, I, people crashed, and I didn't get hit or anything, but, like, I pretty much caused a car crash. And he's like, well, I don't fix cars, but I, I can fix brakes. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, but you're going to do it. I'll teach you how to do it. But he hands me a, ha- a salsa, and he's like, he walks over to um to a bug. It was an early one, you know I don't think it was a novel, but he did make me cut a novel later. Oh, yeah. So he hands me over, like he starts going with a sharpie here, 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 here. He's like, cut it. So I freaking cut the car, and my teeth were falling off from vibration. And then he like jacks up the car, looks at it, and he's like, okay, we'll do this, do that. You know, he pretty much gave me a big list, and there we go to Bill and Steve to buy parts. So I ended up buying, like, the master cylinder was expensive. I remember he was like, I'm going to try to salvage it, but if it's a no good, then you're going to have to fix it. So right. We bought tires. We bought a bunch of stuff. It was, it was probably about as much money as the car was worth. And as a senior in high school, it was that was like a big purchase. You know? Sure. So I had a little job in the pastry store in the so I, I had some money coming in, but it wasn't enough to have a a VW for real. So then I get that done. Then little by little, I got it blocked, primered. I, I fixed the other stuff. Then the engine finally just couldn't hang anymore. It was leaking everywhere, smoking. Me and my buddy Amokar made an attempt to fix it a few times. It didn't work out. So then I ended up... I don't even know how I ended up over there, but I guess Google searches, right? I ended up somewhere in Hawthorne, and then I try to buy an engine. It don't fit my car because obviously it's got a, it has to have the mustache, the, the little bar right. for the late model Type 3. So then I get the phone number of the guy that builds them for him, which his name was Richard. So I go to his house. So I get a hold of him. I talk to him. Go to his house. And we put a 1776 together, and he's teaching me everything, right? He's a pretty helpful guy, I guess. I was a kid, so he's just looking at me like, okay, well, let's do this, I guess. I paid him 150 bucks, dude. 
150 bucks to build your motor? Yeah, 150 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. Right? And then, um, but it's, yeah, he's like, oh, I got this head. So obviously I paid money for the, all the parts, right? I ended up paying probably 1200 bucks or something. I, I still think it was a good deal, right? At that time. Yeah. So we come home. We completed, you know, put the turnkey in. I buy a set of baby vibers, you know, the basic stuff. And um, I remember when we were building it, I told him, I like this a lot. This is badass. Like, I would like to do this. And he wasn't discouraging. He was just like, well, it's not glamorous. And it was a, a garage, right? He was building it in his garage. And, yeah. And he gave me, you know, his insights. Like, oh, I don't like Google Springs. I don't like this. I don't like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then... um. My buddy and I breaking the cam on accident, which is we're so happy it was fire, it, it was running because the first time we we burned the points, right? We hooked them up backwards. Yeah. <laughs> he just fire immediately. So my brother's like, "You're causing fire." So then we go to Source, Albert in Pasadena. Expensive points over like fifty bucks. You know, this guy was really expensive. <laughs> yeah. And then get the car running, and then. Later on, I drove it like that for a long time, we driving everywhere. I had this cousin that every time I gave her a ride, something terrible would happen. Yeah, bad, and luck, then was, bad luck cousin. Yeah, my bad luck cousin, man. One time we were driving in El Serino, and um, we hit a bump. There's some bumps right there by the school on the eastern in Huntington. And the steering wheel just goes nuts, starts spinning on me, and the car just hits the ground. So my trailing arm came out of the beam, of the front beam. Oh, wow. And the car's scraping, right? And then I don't know where a lady pulls up, almost immediately, pulls up, backs up, and she tells me, my husband will come and fix your car right now. All these kids that you have with you, which is my cousin, my girlfriend at the time, and he's like, I'm going to take him home, and then he'll come here, fix your car, and you can go home. And I was, like, super sketched out. I was like, are you serious? Like, I don't even know you, you know? Yeah. She's like, give me your phone. We're calling. I, he called my aunt. He called my mom. And everybody's like, okay, I guess. So she takes off with everybody. And it's just me. And then 20 minutes later, a little Toyota pulls up. He opens his deck lid, his trunk. And he jacks it up, puts it all back together. And he looks at me. He's like, I used to assemble these in Puebla, in Mexico. Really? And I was like, oh, really? He's like, well, not these, but the bugs. But it's the same shit. I was like, all right, cool. So then I'm like, dude, you got to give me a business car or something. At least I found a mechanic, right? He's like, no, nah, you're going to fix it yourself. I was like, okay. He's like, just buy some tools. You can do it. And I was like, all right. So then that was like, just, you know, one of those VW stores that is kind of like, wow. That's well, that's awesome cool. to get a guy that worked at the factory in Puebla. I mean, yeah, you can't beat that. So, and And then how do you go from being an enthusiast so you've got your square back and i know you right currently you've got a couple of bugs and i know you're big into the you know the the whole drag racing thing how do you jump into the into bugs i have um i was living in san, san gabriel and i got a flyer to a car club that met in pasadena and i was going to pcc at that time mm -hmm. this was like a year later or whatever so i'm like dude how can i never realize there's a car club right by my school so I go, I meet people, and then from there they tell me, hey, there's this guy named Jeff. 
has a little shop in his backyard, and I think he needs help. You should go talk to him. This is the president of the club. He lies telling me this. So I walk, I, I go over there. It's literally blocks away. And I start talking to this guy. And then he says, well, what do you know how to do? I'm like, well, I did this. I got my car running. And then he looks at it. He's like, I don't hire anybody that doesn't drive a Volkswagen. So I'm like, that's the only, he's like, that's all I need. He's like, what else do you know how to do? I'm like, I don't know how to do much. I just, this is it. He's like, okay, you're hired. And then we're working. Then this was like his side hustle, right? This wasn't his full time. So I'll go to school. I even had another job. So I would go to school and then get out and go work with him at night. Then I don't know where he had some mishap where he couldn't have his regular job. And he's like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen. But come back. This was like Wednesday. He said, come back Monday. And whatever happens, happens. So I'm like, okay, cool. I show up Monday, and boom, like, we sold, like, $10,000 in one day. Really? And the next day was, like, seven, and the day after that was, like, five. And it was, like, a probably a $20,000, $25,000 week. And we just started taking crazy orders. And the car club itself kind of helped them get the account with MP. Mm-hmm. So... He was already selling. He already had a lot of inventory, some stuff, right? But you're selling but what? But this was like a little shack. What were you guys selling? Shack. We were selling MP parts at the Caddyshack. Right. Then he introduces me to Pomona Swap Me. I started going over there. And he was a really good mentor when it comes to the VW scene. Even though he was a Baja guy and SoCal Baja and all that stuff. Uh-huh. He knew what the hell was going on. He always knew, like, oh, this is going on this weekend. This is the VW week. Everybody's at Nick's right now. You guys should go when you get out of work. Just you can't leave. So then I bring in to work my buddy Miguel. He was just he he was like a friend from the car club that I met. Yeah. And he was pretty cool, man. He was just my buddy, and then I got him to work with us, and and then we started going racing to Irwindale Thursday nights in my square back, and he would take his bug. His bug was pretty quick. He had a short box, 1835, dual cadron. So that's kind of how we started racing. And then it was slow, man, like super slow, like 11 seconds, eight miles. Like we were barely going 60 miles an hour, but we would go, and then we would rotate, like this week you can go, so you can leave early, and then next week I'll go, and but we can never go at the same time. Yeah. And then I I started building. We we back when I back when I was just being get, being helped by by Mike by Dutch boy Mike. I had been helping him put together a '67. And I really liked the car, but I never knew I was gonna end up keeping that car. So then. The stars align and everything, and this car is getting built at the same time that another guy that I know years later, both of these cars are getting built at the same time, which is um, Bundy's car, the guy that the car that Jesse drives. They got the interior done at the same time, and then I I end up with this car. Obviously, it's got a Rob knock, but it was a rebuilt car, painted and everything, and I put a little single port motor in the car. The dual cadron. Yeah. 
and I put one four in it, and the motor was a fresh one that I bought from a customer that came in. We didn't want it. He had just paid a lot of money to get it freshened up, and he didn't want to run it. He put a 17 on it or whatever. So my car is done, complete. I put, you know, fake alloys, some empty alloys. I put drop spindles, brakes all around. And it's a really clean car, and I'm like 20, 21. Yeah. So it was a pretty cool car. And um, that's when I started going to other stuff. Like, okay, I'm going to start taking your shows and meeting people. And then I had a, a buddy named uh, Kevin. Uh, he goes by Soul, Soul Build. Uh-huh. And uh, he invites me to a couple meets. And that's when he sees my car. He's like, dude, I didn't know you had a clean car. I'm like, yeah, you good, right? So then me and that guy end up, you know, branching out more and meeting other people and doing other stuff. And I eventually quit the Caddyshack, go work in Orange County, right? Uh, SoCal, uh, OC Bug Works. And I worked there for a little while. It was a long drive from Pasadena, right? Yeah, to Orange County. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And I'll drive it. In, I put a 40 horse in my, in my, then I buy the Beetle there, my Blue Beetle, my Patina Bug. Uh-huh. But then I have I have gone I have sold my '67 and I buy that patina bug from Jeff Denham. and then I buy a, a motor off some customer came in with Bill on a big motor he sells me his core for like 350 bucks or something I get it on the car I drive it around and that's it um, that's my daily so then I got my patina bug as my daily and I would drive it back and forth every day and then. You know, I started build, and then I quit that job. I went to work for Chico, Chico Performance Racing in Arcadia. Yeah, so you go from Caddyshack to OC Bug Works, and then you go to uh, Chico. Then you go to Chico Performance. What did you do over at Chico? I help them. I help them with um, with turnkey in motors, with uh, with the dyno sessions, with whatever needs to get done. Uh, like setting up everything, washing all the parts, laying them all down, cleaning, blowing everything up. Uh, while he was checking all the parts, I would just, you know, everything that just everything that you don't want to do when you're the engine builder, right? Prep it, right? All and the, all the front end work, right? All this, all this shit. Like, oh, help me put it here, help me put it there. Let's put it on the dyno, and then it was it was fun. I I got to learn a lot of things from him because um, he knew what parts you can use that would, he knew how much power every part would take you know he's like oh this you shouldn't you can build it with this don't worry you know you'll be fine right so then we started doing that and then i built my first purpose build to go to the track motor which was a 1914 or 48 ids it was fun it ran like an 850 860s and at like 85 miles an hour it was it was a pretty good one and I would break my transmission and they have to go home and put my stock motor, my stock transmission back in so I could keep driving it because that's all I had. And that was the close ratio box you had in there? No, it was just a stock box. It was a stock Super Vito main shaft box, like pretty, pretty basic stuff, you know, like a $1,200, $1,500 transmission, something like that. Yeah. Then I eventually buy axles and then little by little I started building up a little better trans and. That was that was fun. I did that for a while. Then I met uh, some dude that came that would come to Chico's 
and he was racing uh, Outlaw Turbo. His name was uh, Tony. And I, he's telling me, hey, David, we got to go to the track. Help me out. So I went. And then I, I went a couple times, and that's when I saw my Anthony, Anthony Hearns. Uh-huh. And then he, I'm pretty sure he torched the head that night. And I, me and him stayed really late at the track while he was loading up and everything. And I had my butt broken. So he packs up and we end up talking. And then we kind of became friends. And then we start, I started helping him. I kind of skipped camp, right? So yeah, <laughs> started helping Anthony. And, and that was 2012. And he started like calling me for every, every, you know, every race and, Go get the car ready, take the motor out, take the training out, go get it serviced, and and all that stuff. And then that's how he introduced me to Sean Gears. And it took a while for me to go over there. I was still trying to do everything on my own in my my little garage. Yeah. But there's only so much damage you can do when you really don't have that much equipment or tools and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And. uh I was getting by and I was, I had a lot of catastrophic failures where I had like the heads of the lifter break off and just random stuff. I, I kept on having issues and then um, I detuned everything a little more and kept on trying to race. And this is in and, the 1914 with the 48 IDFs? Yeah. This was, this was 1914 and then I moved on to a, Chico helped me put together a 2387. Okay. And it only went like 1320, and I was trying to raise like brackets, and I, I would lose terribly because I wouldn't even let off. And, and I'll come back around, and I remember Ron Barry. I was already working part time at AA Performance Products, uh-huh. and Ron was my boss. And Ron's like, "Why didn't you let off, man?" I was like, "Why? I'm here to race." He's like, "Dude, that car was like a half a block away. Like you could have let off. You would have been in the next round right now." And I was like, well, I don't understand this stuff. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, he was like this is bracket racing, man. You have to consistency. So, bracket racing is all about consistency." Yeah, you got to put your dial. You run your dial, and then since I at that point I wasn't figured out. I didn't know exactly what it was gonna run. Every pass for me was testing. I had to see what it was gonna run, so I'll give it my all, and then obviously I'll break out because. It went faster than the last time, and the last time, and the last time. So it was constant breakout. And then I took that motor out, gave it back to Chico, and then I started, you know, putting other stuff together for me. Then I took a little break from racing and just focused on helping Anthony and try to learn what he does and how is his program successful all the things that it takes for for a car to be consistent and to improve. And I just pretty much was just helping him for a long time as I was building engines for customers and people that just, that I'm, that I have met over the years through the scene. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the 165 class came around. Now what's the one that was obtainable for, for, yeah, the 165 class was put together, I believe by AJ Sims, right? Right. And um, it was very appealing because he only had about 18 rules or 16 rules. Mm-hmm. But the main rule was the 165 flat tire, the stock tire on a Beetle. So run whatever you, run, you run whatever you want, mostly for the motor, but 165 is the limit on your back tire. 
Yeah, pretty much. He couldn't have a spool. He had a couple of little rules, but it wasn't much. So then that's when I that's when I um that's when the full circle comes back around and I meet Bundy, the owner of the blue car that was at the same shop where I was putting together a '67. Right. And and I had driven that car by accident because Dutch Boy had told me to move it. He told me, "Hey, go take this car, take it to the other shop because they move shops, right?" And he had it at the painter shop and something like that. And so I hop in his car and this car is like, make, this car would put like 200 horses to the ground. So I get in and not knowing anything about this car and I step on it and it was just like crazy. Monster. Like monster. I'm just like, I went, I went rob and then banged it and he kept going and then put it in third and I just stepped on it and I let off and I was like, I jumped out that car shaking and that was like, okay, I got to do something serious. That was badass and I have to do this. So that car was getting ready for that class for 165 and that car ended up going winning a couple of rounds, uh, a couple of events, maybe like four or five of them. Uh-huh. And it was a few aspirated cars that were winning or taking runner-ups, him and Berkeley's car, and a couple other cars that were really quick. And then Banco came out with a turbo car and a nitrous car, uh, nitrous oxide. And this is Benko, Benko who does the trannies? Yeah, Benko. He had his employee and him, Dan and him, bought cars. And they were running. And I believe Dan went like seven. 50 or something and then at that point the aspirated car was running 770 anthony ran like a 773 on on bundy's car uh-huh. which was fast man that's really fast for uh that's really quick for uh for an all-motor bug on a 165 everybody was what the hell this is, these things are pretty quick yeah that's super fast <laughs> yeah so then um this guy goes uh dan goes like 56, 756, I believe. And then after that, he wrecked it. And then Dan pulled out from racing. And then Anthony tracks down a car that he had, that he had sold years ago. It's in Hawaii. Like he made a full circle through the States and then he ended up in Hawaii, came back. And then we just gave it a little tune up, changed the oil and made it go down the track. And he pretty much ran uh a record number. It was like a 720, 730s. And then he went down to all the way down to a 711. So obviously like the next season, I think the class was dead. And that, right. and the, so once you get the 165 class, it's like when, it's like when Sean Gear showed up to the, the, the Duran Kafer cup class. Yeah. And he pretty much. And yeah. Uh, and, and, and Anthony was building that motor for the, for the peach cobbler at Sean's house. Yeah, so. and it's like once once you get to a class and there's other variables in the class, but the guy destroys everybody so bad with time that there's like, there's no point to to keep going <laughs> yeah, in the class. It's, it's, it's kind of yeah. over, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened, and um, and so that so there was no that no more heads up class that was that was obtainable that was um. Kind of like on the lower budget, right? Before you go into full blown race car. Well, and that's and that's how a lot of these classes get started. You know, they start out with, you know, they used to have a super sixteen hundred class, like who could build the fastest sixteen hundred, and then you know that always came down to compression and heads and cam, 
and then you know you get when Fred Simpson I think Fred Simpson had the car that that uh, was critical in the head work on the car that that took that class but all these classes start out with like hey what's the least expensive we can spend and have the most amount of fun which is kind of the the balance that you that you fight with that so with this 165 class that happens that goes away and now your thought is there's no inexpensive competitive classes is what you're thinking yeah there's 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 no heads up at this point it's just like you show up and you either run back then they used to do t1 t2 t3 or sportsman or stuff like that right now they're all combining to just bracket right right so back then you were like, okay, well, I'm a little faster because I'm in T2 and I'm a little faster now that I'm in T1. And But to me, like, I really like the whole, like, heads up deal. Just from experiencing racing from the heads up classes in the, in the, in the, in the top, like Pro Turbo, which I was helping. So I, I, I felt like there was a, there was something to be done right there because there were some cars that were really quick that that could go heads up in a fair match yeah so that's when i started gathering people I started calling all those people that were running the 165 i got that couldn't keep up to turbos or or power adder cars and um i got these people together i talked to everybody i, I said okay this is what i come up with this is the rules i think uh, that might work and uh, let's give it a shot. Obviously, we're going to have to adjust it as we go because if we don't, then it's going to completely just go away, right? Right. So let's, 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 let's see what we can do. And then I talked to Ron Fleming. I talked to, you know, Andy from, from Bugging. And, and Ron, Ron was cool. He was like, you know, I have seen him over the years here and there. And he tells me, you know what, David, you bring me seven, eight cars. You bring me a full field for three events, right? The drag day, bugging, and drag day. Yeah. Next year, we'll make you official. We'll give you guys plaques. We'll put you in the program. We'll give you guys a lane. We'll get championship, the whole thing. So I had like six cars, maybe five, right? So I had to come up with a few other people. So I called up... Um, Whatever people were online that I could find, you know, I found a Wink that was, um, he's the, he just took the championship this year. Uh-huh. I, I hit him up and I'm like, dude, let's, let's, let's do this. I have this idea of making a, a class that you have to drive in a cruise, drive 91 pump gas. Um, you have to drive home around 20 miles and then you go race the next day. Sometimes we'll do the cruise the same day. It just depends on how it's going to come down. And then we just make sure that we run the same stuff, you know, and and full metal, full glass cars, and we'll just see how it goes. It was pretty much how it went, right? Yeah. And then a couple people, I got uh, Fresh. I got uh, Buster John. I got, uh, obviously, Jesse Harden. I got, um, it was my car. And then we got uh, a dude that used to street race, who was famous in the streets of uh, Eagle Rock, Mike Jones. Mm-hmm. Had a really quick 56 or 57 Beetle. And then we got uh, Matt Baker. He he had raced years ago, and then he parked his car for almost 10 years, I believe. 
And when he heard about this, he was like, I'm in. And then we got Jason Young to race again, Clyde Berg. And then Doug, obviously, Doug started help. Doug Berg started helping wing. So, like, they, they, everybody started teaming up, right? Nice. And we went the first, you know, we started running seven. The, the quickest cars were running 750, 760. And then we are like, all right, this is working, right? And everybody starts taking their motors out, making more power and stuff. And then now we're getting to the point where all these cars need roll bars. And then once you put a roll bar, your car is heavy now. You got to make more power to run the same number you used to run without a bar. Right. So it's just, it's, it's really good for the industry because what you have is the shops that, that not necessarily doing big, big motors like pro turbo motors or outlaw turbo motor, um, engines. And these are regular street engines that, 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 that people like, um, like Steve Timms and, and Chico Performance and brother and all these normal shops can build, right? Right. So it, it gives it gives everybody a shot. Like, hey, you're about a few engines from you. Well, well, let's 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 run this class or, or let's get that motor you build me and let's make more power with it and we'll try to run this guy down there. So that's pretty much how it went down and then after the the third one Ron was like, he called me. He's like, you did it, buddy. Let's let's do it. This next year, you know, you gather your point system, figure out how you're gonna do this, and piece on board with um, the championship money and uh, Bozani, the VW dealership. Yeah. And then I try to get a couple sponsors. I'm not really good at getting sponsors, but I got a few sponsors. Mm-hmm. And um, we got um. Back then, uh, he was um, the killer avocado was help uh, giving us some money for reaction time, just random little gifts. We were, you were taking home about five hundred bucks if you want. Nice. Between the, the between the buy-in, which was forty bucks, everybody all the money gets accumulated and then distributed to the first and the second, and then the sponsorship money comes in, and then you end up with that, and then in the championship you get another seven fifty. You win the championship, and two fifty you're number two. Which is obviously not gonna pay for racing. It's just, it's just a little something because sure, racing heads up is expensive. But when they give you something in return, it's, it's cool. Um, you can't really. I mean, it'll be great if we can make a lot of money on this. But I never made a money on this class. This is really just all the money goes right back into it. You make flies, you make banners, you make um. You buy stuff, you you know, you try to get people involved, and it's just all time and money consumption, and you just you have to make it happen. If you really want it, you have to do it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it takes it takes the commitment to put the money back into it, so that people, you know, they get a little something for putting their car out there and beating it up and whatnot. Might buy a set of tires for a season or whatever, but. Uh, um, you know, I think if things are starting out looking to make a profit versus, you know, for the purpose of causing or, or creating the event, it's much more successful when it's done from the the the, the side of creating a, an event worth going to. So, um, I mean, kudos to you for for getting that real street class. So, how long the the real street class has been going for? How long now? Uh, two years. Two years. The ahead. first year wasn't really official. It was we were there. They were announcing us and mm-hmm. everything, 
but we were not gonna get nothing from bugging. Like there were, I had to provide all the trophies. I provided whatever I could to to my guys because I was pretty much in charge of them of them of making sure they get on the on the on stage on time and do all that stuff. So I brought along Dino Mendoza to help me with this because obviously for car count I needed to run too because now we only have seventy five on show up. Yeah. So I needed to be there, I needed to participate and obviously I want to have fun too. So I brought along Dino to keep track of the numbers and then you know, this guy qualified number six, number four, number three, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it's kind of, it's work. It definitely work. No, 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 get, no doubt. There's, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of work to put, to put an event on even just a sub event at an existing car show or whatnot. And so last year you had, is, is the event grown? Are you getting more people in there? And I want to talk about a little bit after that. I want to talk about the, the specific criteria that qualifies your car to run full, to run, in real street class, like what you put the cars through. But um, have you seen attendance going up in that class? Uh, we got in a couple of new guys. Like um, the last guy was uh, from Transaction Engineering. He had tried to make the event last time, but he missed the cruise, so we didn't let him race because we were like, no, you didn't go on the cruise. You, you can't race with us, right? So – he he came in and he ran a seven ninety nine. So he was so happy because he was like, "Dude, I'm a seven second ride." And it was it was pretty cool having a full class of everybody ran in seven. Sure. And this was his first time. And, and if you look at his car, man, he's got everything on it. You know, he's got speakers. He's got like all full interiors, everything. It's not run spun wheels. He's got like alloys in it and. You look at that car, you're like, wow, you know, it's, it's a it's a full heavy car, and and he did it, and and we what we noticed, what we definitely have noticed is on the grandstand, as soon as they say real street, everybody that's like, um, in the car show area, not everybody, I'm saying, I'm saying like a lot of people are in the car show area, right. they hear it and they're like, oh, let's go because because those cars look like their car. Those cars look like, like they've seen us at meets. They've seen us here and there, and and they know that these cars are not full blown race cars. Like we still drive them on the street, and they, you, they can relate. It's obtainable. It's it's something that they 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 like more than a car that's full fiberglass, full two chassis with a wing and a parachute. Yeah, it's a little more. It's a little more, uh, you know, comprehensible that you could actually build your car into being that you know yeah and and it's like okay all you need is a set of light wheels maybe take your back seat out uh take your motor out go through it put a bigger cam do whatever you can to it whatever you already have you can make more power out of that same one right and then put it back in short gearbox and maybe better brakes because you want to stop good and tires and then that's it. Like none of like uh, this cars. None of most most actually none of these cars had a roll bar in the first year because they didn't require it. They weren't running that fast. And now as fast yeah. as they're getting, a lot of guys are having to put roll bars in the cars. Yeah, pretty much half of us are three quarters of them already running a roll bar because once you get into the seven thirty, seven thirty five, uh, NHRA stands that you have to have a roll bar. 
Yeah. What? So, so what do you think will keep the class being competitive? Um, you know, and keep keep people coming into the class because. Well, let's let's we'll save that question for next. What, what I want to talk about now is what classifies a card that can run in real street. What do you make the card go through? What's the limitations, and and what's what's the outline of the real street class? So somebody's got a car, they think it's pretty fast. They want to see if their car fits in your criteria. So what's the criteria for a real street car? Well, that's that's the um, that's the biggest argument in the internet uh, when it comes to cars. Period. Right. What is a real street car? Everybody's got their own terms and their own ideas, or this or that, or that's not a real street car because it has this, or, or because he has that, or because you don't have a back seat. Some people want you to have full interior, full this, full everything. So it's it's kind of it's kind of tricky to to fully um, make everybody happy. You can't do that. Oh yeah, anything with organizing an event of any type and putting some on, you learn real quick that no one's happy about everything. You know, you can't make everybody happy. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, but for the most part, you know. For yeah, like basic, the most simple stuff is that uh, you have to go on the cruise with us. You have to be able to drive the car for twenty miles before the race. So you go. We show up at a gas station. We pump up. Mm-hmm. We uh, have some stickers that. We- seal the tank and then we go cruising right we do the cruise and then um there's no no breaking down you can't break down you can't stop and fix your car so you break down you're out you break down you're out their car has to be fully reliable to where you do every the whole cruise without an issue that's the first thing that you can get eliminated on right so you break down you're out and then um, you pay your entrance fee, which is 40 bucks. Oh, you can't have a driver swap. You can't just have somebody drive the cruise and then you show up to the race later. And then we have, um, for this year, um, this is this is uh, the rules that we have, which is going to be three different weight levels because there's we ran into this issue the first year, right? Like you had a, a chubby guy like me, uh, 240 pounds, with my car me in my car was 1930 and then i got weight out of the car to the point where now i was at 1876 but there's still cars that are 1730 so i'm like 200 pounds close to 200 pounds overweight 180 130 in some cases so we realized that some stuff you can't fit. You can't. You can't fit everybody, right? It's not really a fair game if you have a car that's 150 pounds lighter than the other one because it makes a big difference. Right. It's it's a couple tenths. So, what for this for for that's that's what I that's why when we started I said we have to tweak it as we go to make it fair and make it last because I'm not gonna cut. I'm not gonna take. Uh, you know, my, my real fenders off my car and put some aftermarket really thin ones because my car's going to look ugly. Like, the aesthetics are also are important. So so we have three weights, right? The light, which is uh, 1730, 1738, 1740, uh-huh. and that's uh, 80, 82 by 94, so 2276 for the 1740 cars. And then the medium weight is 1775.
that's the weight. And then that's an 84 by 94, 2332. And then the heavy, the heavy cars, the 1825, will get the 2387. So you so after it. after each race, we will pump the motor. So all you do is take the rockers arms off, spark plug out, and we'll get your, the size of the motor within five minutes. Yeah. So you make sure. So that's how we determine that nobody's cheating. Play yeah. It fair. Yeah. So it seems a little more fair this way because I know I can probably get another 50 pounds out of my car, but 100, I don't, there's no way. I mean, right. I will have to get another driver and I want to drive my car. So that just wouldn't be cool. So. So I see it. All, um, and also for those listeners that are listening along, they can follow along at volkstroke.com. He's got all the Yeah, that's uh, where all the rules are posted. You can go in there. But just the the basics are like two seats, you know, all motor, carburetor, no no power adders or any kind, no fuel injection, just basic stuff, you know, the carburetors. And you can't have a uh, one you can't have a one gallon gas tank in the thing because I think you gotta make the cruise. You have to make the cruise, so you can't run out of gas in the cruise. Now is the cruise a combination of freeway, street and uh, it's, a, it's it's on the street. Yeah. So it's, it's on the street. Street it's about driving. twenty miles. It's just back streets, and there's a lot of nice streets around those racetracks, man. Wide open ones. And so, with this, you guys before drag day, you guys will go do the twenty mile cruise. Yeah, before the race, we do the twenty mile cruise. No wheelie bars, no spool, none of that stuff. Just pretty, pretty basic stuff, you know. Um, and no wheelie and bars. Pretty- no wheelie bars when you're drag. Like the the way you cruise the car is the way you race the car. Yeah, you, you, the way you drive it is the way you you can change wheels. Like um, like um, we have um, some people cruising that are alloys and show up and take them off and put some earth. That's about it. Just try to get a little a little less weight down. The yeah, track. but also it's for it's for the safety. You know, you don't want to pop your tire and then you're out of a race. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just for a flat, you know, something that's not really your fault. And and those tires are expensive, man. You don't want to get a flat on them. <laughs> sure. So stuff, little stuff like that, but it's all written down in the in the in the rules. And then that's pretty much it. You show up. Uh, I, actually, another cool thing is just as a double safety, right? I we buy some extra fuel at the um, to prevent people from cheating, right? I buy extra fuel in the m- morning, mm-hmm. and I store it in a cool spot, and then. For the final, we drain the gas tanks completely. Not a, not the whole gas tank, but the entire fuel system at the carburetor. We take the fitting out, we drain the whole thing, hook it back up, and then we fill up the finalists with the fuel that we picked up in the morning, just as a double safety and just to make sure, you know, the car was really hauling ass and I don't know where it's that, you know, just, right. just to do it as a double safety. Nice. So. With this class, the, you're hoping to be able to build the class up a little bit. I mean, the average street car, what, what's the average guy with, let's say, like a a two-liter motor and 44s, if it's tuned right, what's the average guy running in that kind of class? Is he running eights, nines? Yeah, you'll be on the eights, eight fifties, eight forties, um, like a 22.76, you can get it in the eight, 820s. 2332, somewhere around there, but 
And now Absolutely. you're talking. You put on wheels. As soon as you start doing some lightning of your car, like with, with like taking your backseat out, the rule says you don't need it, take it off, you know? Take out your 150-pound speaker box? Yeah, take your freaking speaker box out, take your chonies, take all whatever you have in there. And I've seen a lot of bugs, man. They open the hood and it's all kinds of tools in there. Right. You take everything out. You make sure it's reliable enough. Um, and then you just give it a shot. And and you you never know. You might get it super hooked and then you take it back out. And then you go, okay, well, you call up your engine guy and tell him, dude, let's get this motor, put a beer crank on there or whatever. Now, are you guys thinking of, of doing maybe uh, opening up to other real street classes, like a real street class, like a – um, buses, which might be different, you know, because obviously buses, you can't compete with a bus versus a bus. Yeah, you know what I mean, a quarter mile. Exactly, and that's why everybody picked the bus because it's the, the lightest platform and it and it and it works really good. You can fit a pretty nice tire in there. There's a tire. There's some tires that you have to run. They're DLT tires. Yeah. So they're. So yeah, I mean, if you try to do it in any other car, like a convertible or. Um, any of those cars are going to be harder for you to be competitive because of the weight. They're just heavier cars. Yeah. And so you don't see the real street opening up to maybe get a real street bus class out there so we can see really who's, who's crushing. That would be, who's, I wouldn't say no, because there's, there's a lot of bus guys that, that I've seen going down the track and people love seeing the buses going down the track. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's really fun seeing buses go down the track. I seen like like a Cita against the other camper bus. It was fun, man. Everybody was cheering them on. It was, it was, and that's what that's that's part of this show, you know. If it, the drag racing is the show for the spectators and the people that support the club, the 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 show community. No, that's so. Uh, no, that's good stuff, man. And if and if any of you guys out there that are listening want to see if your car qualifies for a real street class. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Listen, even if you enter the class and you don't win, it's still the participation. You get to run on the track. You get to run your car a few times. You get to kind of rub shoulders with guys that are out there building fast stuff, and you might be able to move your car up a little bit with some with some modifications and uh, always spread your your wealth of knowledge around as well as soak up a bunch of stuff from guys you don't know and, and – Throw your car in a real street class. I mean, see see what it'll run if you think it's quick. Somebody built your motor. And how many races you guys run this year on the real street? It's, like it's, The, the uh, Triple Crown Championship consists of three races. Uh-huh. The first drag day, the bugging, and then this last drag day in October. So the first one, March 15th, then bugging, and then the, and then the last drag day somewhere in October. So And there's also random prices that people put together, like uh, Berg. Berg and AJ and a couple other people put money together for first round for the for the person that went out first round. That guy ended up going home with like 250 bucks or 200 bucks or something like that just for losing. But he was like, "Hey, I lost, but I got my money back. I got I got more than what I came with, so it's cool." Right. There's there's a couple little things that people do that try to help, and I'm very very appreciative of that because they're they're that's that's how this stuff stays afloat with little incentives. You know, every, a company here gives fifty bucks, another one gives another fifty, and then you don't have to give a lot. But once you put all these people together, we have we have some significant amount of money to to make it fun. No, I mean absolutely. I think. I think real street would be a blast if you had a bus class in there. You know what I mean? If like there was, I know I'd like to bring my bus out there and see what it'll do. So hopefully my brother got it running for me this weekend. Like we talked about earlier 
on the phone and uh it's got 48s on it now i got my 48s back on it that i originally had on there and uh it's it moves pretty good man so um you never know i may be down there in march if i can get the time away where i can shoot down there and just be out there running it who knows maybe we get some more buses out there on the track and uh we might start pushing each other around you know what i mean (laughs) but there's a lot of buses out there with big motors and a lot of buses well and i'm talking about real street like when we talk real street like my bus that motor uh the first time i drove that motor i drove it from clovis to sacramento with 48s on there and i had the wrong trans the final drive in the trans man and i I was getting like 10 miles to the gallon because (laughs) at 70 it was i mean it was 3800 rpm i mean it was it was screaming going down the road and now like i told you yesterday i drove it back from my brother's shop and fourth gear because i had the tranny re-geared specifically for freeway driving with a big motor and and i mean i was 2000 rpm maybe 2200 and i'm doing i'm 70 easy and it's low rpm and it's not wringing its neck so um and that's, and that's that, some real highway stuff right there and that but, <laughs> but that motor that motor i'll drive to i'll drive it to octo or whatever and uh i mean but i'd let it put on the track and see what it could do i mean so to me i mean i guess it depends real street when you're getting competitive and real street it's like you know we got you got aj sims out there who's has who's got a square back and he he drives his car from you know Southern California up to Sacramento, and clicks off an 11 second quarter mile on a full body square back. You know, obviously he's got a power at it with the turbos and you know turbo and methanol injection and stuff like that. But uh, shoot, I mean, the technology's getting there, and you know, I think the the fun is really competing in your car. You know, getting your car yeah. out there and competing in and, it. So. And- they have they have a they had a class for that which was Unlimited Street. Uh-huh. So Unlimited Street had you can run pretty much whatever. Um, there was they had the rules that were similar like you have to have your registration, insurance, there's lights have to work, all that stuff. But when it came to powertrain, these cars were nuts. They were like 400 horsepower cars, turbo cars, yeah. and. Um, it was pretty much unlimited because, yeah, everything was power out and there was really fast cars. But it happened once a year. And it's not a championship, it's none of that. And and those cars are at a higher level, are more complicated. Not the average as, guy as per, can afford them. Yeah, you you can learn, you can, like my first, my, my motor that went like 750s was off the shelf everything. Absolutely everything. It, the, the cars were not modded in any way. The heads were just off the shelf. Um, I had I had Chongdu uh, the chamber on them, but because I wanted certain CCs, right? But that's normal headwork stuff. It's not nothing crazy. It was a CNC port, so that's that's where this you can like if you're a entry level engine builder, you can put this together with. With off-the-shelf parts, you can go to TV or you go to whatever a performance products, whatever you want to buy, you can be you can be in the sevens. My motor that went in the sevens was all A stuff, pistons, just off um, the shelf, no crazy. Everything super was A mods. It was, and it went it went like fifty-five, seven fifty-five. So, it's 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 not like you don't have to have a somebody to come and fat up an intake for you and all this stuff. It's it had a cheap header. It had like a 
like a basic inch of 5.8 header on it. No, so that's... all those little things are what makes it more obtainable. But you can go sevens with without going, without breaking the bank. Like I was going seven fifties with all Chinese internals and a uh, Super Beetle main shaft and a four four twelve ring and pinion. And I did have good axles, but the transmission was. I feel bad for for these guys because I'll come, I'll break it sometimes, and I'll show up, man, and bro, okay, well let's let's fix it. Yeah. But. It wasn't like big money on this thing, and they were still running pretty good numbers. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the most important thing is that you're out there having fun, and that's really the whole, the whole part to it. You know, get out there, have fun with your car, and if you can have fun with your real street car, why not? You know. So, uh, man, I appreciate all the information you've given us on that. Do you want to give a shout out to who sponsors, who helps put the thing, who who helps you guys get the event going, and all that stuff? Yeah, definitely. I want to thank uh, Ron, Ron Fleming for letting us do it, for letting us be part of um, the Triple Crown Racing Series, for um, for Chico Performance, for for being a sponsor from the very beginning, always paying up, always giving us our money, uh, giving us her, being there to hand out the checks, being there to um, be, be part of the deal. That was that was really cool. And then LAT, LAT Racing Oil, giving us a case of oil every race. The people that were supporting us from the very beginning, the people that didn't want to go, that wanted to flake out, that still came through, the birds, that you know, they 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 try to do their best at, at being at every they've been at every single race. Uh, Wink and the and and the bird team, uh, Lizard Motorsports, supportive, and he's been showing up to most of the races. He's uh, avid contender. Mm-hmm. That was very good. Um, just our racers and, and the crowd that goes and cheers and they go over there expecting us to do a wheelie and we try to do, obviously they're not good for our time, but the cars go crazy because we're trying to go fast. So um, a shout out to all those people that, that, that give us a chance and to, to go out there and, and have a, an entry level heads up racing class. Well, that's great, man. And, and anybody who wants to follow David, check him out. He's Volkstroke on Instagram and also David Ruiz on Facebook uh, David Volkstroke Ruiz on Facebook, and then he's also Volkstroke.com is where you'll find all the real street rules and regulations. So check it out. Hit him up. It's three races for the year. I'm sure you guys can drive from just about anywhere to get down to the down to the bug in uh, the bug in and two drag days, and uh, maybe get a shot at uh, winning the real street. So, man, David, I appreciate I appreciate having you on here on the podcast and uh, getting all this information out. And for sure, maybe we'll get some updates from you throughout the, uh, you know, throughout the year, and let us know what happened at the first, the second, and the third one as they uh, take place. And we'll get you on for just a quick update of who's taking what, who's running what, and who's the guy to look out for this year. Right. Yep. These cars are only gonna get quicker, so we're gonna. Uh, I'm definitely be um, in contact with you, and I'll let you know how how's how's it going. Again, thanks for coming on the podcast and explaining a lot of the stuff to us for the real street class and uh, and some of your drag racing and, and your background history getting into the VW scene, man. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, thank you, guys. You got it, man. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house.